0: Welcome to the IEEE Quantum Podcast Series, an IEEE Future Directions Digital Studio production. This podcast series informs on the landscape of the quantum ecosystem and highlights projects and activities on quantum technology. This episode features Travis Scholten, a quantum computing applications researcher at IBM Quantum. Travis joins us to discuss IEEE Quantum Week, quantum educational needs and resources to enable a viable quantum workforce, while also explaining how anyone from students to developers can begin exploring and programming on real quantum hardware. Travis, thank you for spending some time to contribute to the IEEE Quantum podcast series. To start, how did you become involved in the IEEE Quantum Week, and how do you see it helping to advance quantum education and the
1: development of a quantum workforce? Well, the story of how I got involved in Quantum Week is is very amusing, and I think it goes to show the level of trust and respect that exists within the IBM Quantum organization. So about a year ago, I was put on an email thread with Jay Gambetta, who's one of our VPs for IBM Quantum, and also an IBM fellow, who suggested that I should help out with Quantum Week. And this was roughly about a year into my time at IBM Quantum. And as I thought about it, I said, well, this, this could be a cool opportunity to try something new, never really done events coordination and stuff like that. And also, it's an opportunity to meet people both externally and uh, internally. And over the course of the past year, it's been an incredibly awesome experience to work with so many people at IBM Quantum, from our technical teams, to our marketing teams, to our business teams, um, to really put together a, a great program for Quantum Week, and then also to work with people externally to join our workshops and panels and and whatnot. Um, and it's also been really fun because as a, a platinum sponsor of this event, you know, we're really showing that what Quantum Week is doing as far as advancing quantum education and helping that quantum workforce get developed is really important and really useful. And I think that one of the main advantages of Quantum Week is this idea of providing uh, essentially an insider's view of what the quantum computing industry is all about When you're standing outside the industry looking in, it's hard to get a sense of what's going on. And Quantum Week will provide a very helpful perspective through the tutorials, the workshops, and the panels about really where the industry is, where it's going, and what skills are necessary to pivot into that industry.
0: Okay, but while quantum computing might be a hot topic in tech today, what is really available and what can quantum computers actually do?
1: Sure, I think it's it's a good idea to tackle that question in both of its parts and to tackle them in slightly reverse order. So when we think about what quantum computers can do, we know that long-term, if we get to universal fault-tolerant quantum computing, that'll be really useful, especially for the simulation of physical or chemical systems. But we're not there yet in the fault-tolerance era. We're in this kind of near-term quantum computing era. And so what's most important right now, as far as doing stuff with quantum computers, is essentially research use cases and developing essentially a quantum intuition. You know, By building quantum computers and making them, them accessible through the cloud, we're letting people really play around with this technology and to understand how to put this technology to work for advantage you know, in practical use cases and applications. And one aspect of that which is, is very important to remember is that access to hardware and actually being able to run circuits on real quantum computers is very, very vital for developing that intuition. You know, and, and how I think about this is if you have two people, you know, maybe one of them has access to hardware and one of them doesn't, the one who has access to hardware is just going to be able to so much better understand the development of the technology as we march forward towards universal fault-tolerant quantum computing and also understand why the path towards developing those kinds of computers is one of essentially continuous improvement. Furthermore, they'll be able to actually leverage these near-term quantum computers as they evolve So their skills will be developing essentially in lockstep with the underlying hardware and its technology. And they'll be able to probably divine new ideas about how to develop algorithms or applications or error mitigation techniques on top of that hardware. Now, I also mentioned the idea of of use cases. So I work as a quantum computing applications researcher here at IBM Quantum. I'm on a team of people that interfaces with IBM Quantum's customers and clients, so collaborating with enterprise companies and startups to really explore how we can use near-term quantum computers. And there are a few projects that I think really highlight what people are doing today with access to real quantum hardware. So for example, in collaboration with Daimler, we investigated um, chemical reaction pathways for lithium sulfur batteries, which is very important for developing next-generation battery technology. In collaboration with J.P. Morgan Chase, we examined how to use quantum computers to do option pricing, essentially being able to more accurately um, evaluate the fair price of an option. Uh, we've also been collaborating with Barclays to look at transaction settlement. You know, How is it that we can make sure that all of the payments and, and transactions in the financial industry are settled very efficiently? And then a project that I was part of was in collaboration with UK-based startup Cambridge Quantum Computing looking at circuit compilation. So how do we take a, a quantum circuit and compile it to the hardware? And in all of these projects, access to real quantum hardware really helped us understand what could really be done. What were some of the limitations? And how would the hardware have to improve in order to be able to do more? And that's that's kind of what I mean when I talk about skills developing in lockstep with the technology. As we develop more advanced quantum systems, the people who are doing the research on real hardware, they'll kind of be able to up their game as far as the applications they're developing is concerned. And one of the really interesting things is if we look at the research output on IBM quantum systems, it's pretty tremendous. Um, from my records, there are almost 200 papers that are written by IBM quantum part, uh, partners and clients, and then almost 250 papers are written from organizations and entities outside that IBM Q network. Now, the way that we make hardware available is through the cloud. Throughout most of human history, at least quantum history, if you wanted to do research on quantum computing, you would have to build your own. And that's really hard, and that requires a lot of talent and know-how. And so by making them available through the cloud, We're able to leverage just the cloud itself and also all of the DevOps practices surrounding cloud compute technologies for continuously improving and upgrading our systems, providing high-quality access, et cetera. And if we look just over the past few years, ever since 2016, when IBM Quantum put the first quantum computer on the cloud and built the IBM Q experience, which is our way of making quantum computing available over the IBM cloud, like we've witnessed tremendous adoption of these systems, you know, more than 250,000 users running you know, billions and billions of circuits. I mean, it's, it's just incredible how much appetite and interest there is in this technology. This is also, again, why I think Quantum Link is so important is we have this huge set of people who are outside the quantum computing industry and they want to get in and we have to help them get in and we have to help them get in through education and making access to real quantum systems um, available.
0: So Travis, given your expertise in the field, how would you advise someone about starting to use a quantum computer, and where should they start?
1: Sure. I think there's three kind of conceptual things that you have to, to work out, and then there's there's lots of resources that let you do that. I think the first is to overcome some issues that people have about their kind of mental picture of what quantum computing is. You know, sometimes you see in, in popular science articles and whatnot the idea that quantum computers are just souped up classical computers on steroids which is completely false. Quantum computers leverage an entirely different mode of computation. They have their own notion of what information is and how you encode it and store it inside quantum uh, systems and also what programming a quantum computer looks like. And by adopting that different model uh, of quantum of, of computation excuse me then you get access to all these cool uh, and kind of fun quantum resources such as superposition, interference, and entanglement, all of which are resources that aren't available on classical computers. So first is to realize that quantum computing is just a fundamentally different beast than classical computing. That being said, the second is to recognize that quantum computers do not supplant classical computing. Classical computing and quantum computing work together. And this remains true even once we get to a universal fault-tolerant machine, because we will have the quantum computer doing its quantum stuff, but we will also have a classical computer running so-called quantum error correction in order to let that computation run. So quantum and classical computes will exist side by side, and it's an important thing to keep in mind. And then third is to actually understand the, the quantum circuit model, which is a particular way of representing a piece of a quantum program. And the users of the IBM quantum experience on the IBM cloud are running billions of circuits a day, as I said. And earlier this year, we had this IBM quantum challenge. And uh, according to my notes, uh, over five billion quantum circuits were run. So clearly understanding that circuit model is super important if you're gonna be developing a new quantum algorithm, a quantum application, a quantum use case, et cetera. Now you might say, okay, well, so you've got these three conceptual things that you need to work on, how how do I learn more? and I'd say there's lots of resources, three three that come to my mind most immediately. Uh, first is to play around with the IBM Quantum experience on the IBM Cloud. We've got a graphical circuit composer, we have a, a programming language, we've got simulators, we've got hardware, all accessible in one place over the cloud. Another thing to do is to learn Qiskit, which is an open source quantum computing software development kit that is backed by IBM Quantum. It's you know, the most popular open source quantum computing SDK out there today. And then if you're more interested in some kind of professional development, there's at least two u- university level courses that are being offered. One is from MIT uh, XPro, it's called Quantum Computing Fundamentals. Another is from the University of Chicago called Quantum Science and Engineering. Or if you're saying, hey, I, you know, I have some time here um, on on my free time, and I just want to watch some YouTube videos, you should go check out the content from the Kidscape Global Summer School 2020. We just wrapped that last month, and it features lectures that cover the the gamut about what quantum computing is, how you program quantum computers, you know, what does IBM Quantum's hardware look like, you know, how do you how do you build superconducting qubits, etc. And then if you are going to show up at Quantum Week, uh, you should go check out the tutorials. You know, There's a, a very long list of tutorials, including a few introductions to quantum computing, including one from our very own Abe Asfaw, who some of you might know from our Coding with KizKit YouTube series. There are tutorials on applications. You know, Chemistry is popular as well as optimization in quantum machine learning. I have a, a personal bias in that I really like quantum machine learning, so I want to give a shout out to tutorials on that um in part because it's a very popular topic these days and if you take the words quantum computing and then machine learning and smash them together you know it's like two of the most popular buzzwords smashed together creates kind of a super popular buzzword and it's very important to dispel the hype and the myths surrounding what quantum machine learning is in addition there's a tutorial on games for quantum computing i mean everyone loves playing games and so this tutorial will teach quantum computing concepts in a very fun accessible and easy to follow way and then there's one tutorial which is very near and dear to my heart because it relates to some research that I did during my physics PhD which is assessing the quality of qubits and quantum systems. You know when you look in the literature or you go sign up for the IBM quantum experience and, and you look at some of our available backends, you know there are all these numbers that are associated with quantum computers like T1 and T2 times of qubits the CNOT fidelity of a two-cubic gate, et cetera. Or maybe you're reading in some of the more popular science literature about quantum volumes of a system. And if you're sitting there wondering, well, what the heck do all those numbers mean? You should go check out this tutorial because it'll explain how those, what those numbers are, how they are measured, and then let you actually code up those protocols themselves and then be able to send them off to real hardware to, to do some measurements of your own.
0: So in previous podcasts, we've spoken with IEEE Quantum Initiative co-chairs about current challenges facing the quantum computing community. What are your views on the particular challenges to educating and preparing today's students to join the quantum community?
1: I think there are three main challenges here. Uh, they are technological, commercial, and what one might call sort of purely educational. A main technological challenge is getting enough system, systems built to ensure students around the world have access. You know, back during my PhD days, I would go to this very nice quantum computing conference, and, and one day I met a a young man by the name of Thomas Wong, who's currently a professor at Creighton University in Nebraska, who's been using Qiskit to teach a course. And you know, a thing that should keep us up at night is how do we ensure that those kinds of university professors have access to world-class quantum systems so they can teach their own students. Um, we saw this in the course of our Qiskit our Global Summer School. Tremendous interest, almost 4,000 people signed up. And so how do we build more systems and keep them up longer and improve their capabilities so that way students have systems to learn on. From the commercial side of things, I think an important question to keep in mind is, how do we educate not only scientists, but end users of quantum compute technology? So let's consider two students who are doing their degrees in, in non-quantum disciplines. You know, Maybe they're getting an MBA or something like that. If one of them knows what quantum computing is and what it's good for, and the other doesn't, who do you think will be better suited to help their organization take advantage of this technology? Well, clearly it's the one who has that knowledge and that's good for an organization because they, they want to leverage next generation compute technologies in the course of their workflows. It's also good for us because it makes it easier to work with those kinds of organizations since they're already quantum ready. And from a purely educational standpoint, there's the question of how do you teach quantum computing a, across a diverse range of disciplines and age groups? The example I just gave of, well, how do you teach quantum computing to an MBA student? That's an open question. And also, how do you teach quantum computing to people who are younger? You know, recently the NSF had announced their Q2Work initiative, which is going to develop quantum computing educational content for grades K through 12. And that shows us how important it is to develop the next generation of technically proficient, highly competent scientists, engineers, developers, and end users of quantum technologies. Now, how we've been addressing this challenge at IBM Quantum is in a couple of ways. So one is to have an open source Qiskit textbook, I think the Qiskit textbook is a great example of what happens when you combine open source software development and access to real quantum systems, because you can follow along with the textbook and learn quantum computing concepts. You can write your own code in Qiskit to develop hands-on proficiency with those concepts. And then you can actually run things on real hardware. And I think that generates a very um, virtuous cycle for learning about quantum computing. In addition, we have a KidsKid for Educators program, which helps university professors incorporate parts of the KidsKid textbook into their own curriculum. And then, as I said earlier on in our call, um, for Quantum, we've we've prepared a variety of tutorials and workshops, uh, seven tutorials and uh, two workshops, to really, again, help spread that knowledge to the set of people who are outside the industry so they can understand how they can contribute.
0: So from a personal perspective, Travis, what are you most looking forward to at
1: Quantum Week? At a high level, what I'm most excited about are the keynotes, the panels, and the workshops. For the keynotes and the panels, just being able to hear from world-leading experts and get insight into their perspective on how they think about the industry is super useful. And with the workshops, being able to connect with like-minded peers and develop new knowledge about the industry is very, very useful. I'm going to give a couple of shameless plugs for stuff that I am personally involved in. Um, so, one is a panel on engineering challenges in building a quantum computer. This is a, a collaborative effort that we did with uh, Honeywell to bring together Honeywell, IBM Quantum, Microsoft, and Google to talk about the hardware, software, and organizational engineering challenges in building out an enterprise scale quantum computing business. I'm organizing a workshop on quantum software for applications, algorithms, and workflows. You know, the, the software community is a very vital one for the quantum computing industry. And so bringing that community together to drive the development of open source quantum computing software is just super, super essential. And I want to give a shout out to the team at the Unitary Fund that I'll talk about um, maybe a little bit later if we have some time uh, for their contributions, um, being moderators uh, for panels and also giving a keynote. And then lastly, we have a keynote from Dr. Jerry Chow of IBM Quantum entitled Quantum Circuits, Rocket Fuel for the Future of Quantum Hardware. I think with a title like that, it clearly will be a very engaging and interesting talk to go listen to. There are a couple of other things going on at Quantum Week, which which I'm looking forward to to at least listening to. Um, one is a panel on towards a practical IR for quantum, so trying to understand how you should represent a quantum program, and also one on building a fault-tolerant quantum computer from the ground up. You know This, this idea of systems engineering is one which is much appreciated by both IBM Quantum and IEEE. And so trying to understand from a very you know, uh, hardware-based perspective and quantum firmware-based perspective how to build a fault-tolerant quantum computer is really cool. And then lastly, I'm I'm looking forward to meeting people. Uh, not going to lie, I was really enjoying the possibility of going to Denver and meeting people in real life for interactions, but you know, virtual is nice too. And I will say that if people did want to connect or whatnot, uh, a good way to get a hold of me would be to DM me on Twitter at Travis underscore S-C-H. And I will say, overall, what's really impressive to me about Quantum Week is the fact that there's so much content and so much engagement from a wide variety of people. You know, there's over 270 hours of content, and a standard seven-day week is 168 hours. So even if you tried to stay up 24-7 to keep up with it, it would take uh, take you over a week, which is really impressive in my mind.
0: So how are you tracking the progress of IBM's Quantum Education efforts? Uh, the growth of the quantum community, and the development of the quantum workforce?
1: I would say that the most major metric to pay attention to right now is engagement, whatever that looks like. Um, Be that participation in quantum computing events, you know, we have a a kit seminar series that's on YouTube on Fridays, you know, people watching videos from world-class researchers and experts talking about their cutting-edge, state-of-the-art work. Participation in hackathons, um, you know quantum computing hackathons are taking place all over the globe. There are local communities, uh, sort of a, a centers of competency, maybe is a way of describing it around quantum technology. and those that's really cool to see too. Uh, enrollments in classes. you know I've mentioned that the Kiskike Global summer School, we had four thousand students, seventy percent of those were undergrads, enrollments in undergraduate classes in general, and also research production. You know, I mentioned the, the 250 some papers produced by people outside of the, the IBM Q network. And one other way that I look at it is applications for grants from uh, an organization called the Unitary Fund, which is a nonprofit working to create a quantum technology ecosystem that benefits the most people. I happen to sit on the advisory board of the Unitary Fund in the interest of full disclosure. And part of what we do is review applications for grants. And IBM Quantum has partnered with the Unitary Fund to help support its grant offering effort. And and again, having people engage with this technology right now and learn and explore and play around is so vital in part because this, this pathway is so long. And so getting ready now and being able to grow and develop your skills as the industry grows is super important.
0: That's a great point. So what resources are available for individuals wanting to learn more about quantum technologies?
1: I think it would be worthwhile to try to help uh, or to try and look out at your local community. Maybe there's some kind of Reddit subgroup or whatnot that you're really interested in, could participate in. You know, trying to find courses and study groups is really helpful. Um, I will give a shout out to a couple of projects that the Unitary Fund has founded. So one is a website called fullstackquantumcomputation.tech, which is trying to aggregate resources. So it's kind of a resource of resources. And the other is a, a project called Q Cousins, which is trying to help foster the quantum computing community, uh, mostly in est- uh, Eastern Europe. And then if you're specifically interested in Qiskit, I would encourage you to go check out that open source Qiskit textbook. Um, it's written in collaboration between IBM Quantum and uh, New York University, and it's been contributed to by members of the KISKit community uh, very generally. And then if you're an educator who's listening to this, and you say, hey, I want to add some KizKit code to my university curricula, but I'm not quite exactly sure how to get started with that, um, I would check out the our KISKit for Educators program, which would help their students then learn using the self-same kinds of tools that are used by scientists and engineers. And then lastly, if you do attend Quantum Week and you say, hey, I'd like to write some code to do X or help develop a community around Y, I would very much encourage you to consider doing a small prototyping project and then trying to apply for some funding um, from the Unitary Fund to help kind of grow that.
0: Okay, so we've touched upon a lot of key issues today. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to add?
1: The main thing is to recognize that The quantum computing industry is still in its very early days, and we're going to need an incredibly broad range of talent in order to make this industry go. And so, you know, I have a physics PhD. Okay, maybe that was necessary right now, but that's not always going to be necessary. And so if you can find ways of leveraging the skills that you have or the skills that you are developing or the skills you want to develop, in order to pivot into the quantum computing industry, I would say don't be afraid. Like, go try it, go see what happens. You know, learn some quantum computing and try and figure out where you can plug in. Because this really is going to take a kind of whole of, I guess the economy effort is maybe a way of saying it, about getting developers and engineers and physicists and mathematicians, but then also the marketing team, the design teams, um, the business development teams, etc. cetera, And so I I would say for most people, many people, in fact, you you can plug into this industry. Just find your niche and and it'll be a great ride.
0: Thank you for listening to our interview with Travis Shulton. Learn more about the IEEE Quantum Initiative by visiting our web portal at quantum.ieee.org.